Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. He would say later in an interview, I was evil. I was pure evil. He would later cover, as a bizarre thing, which was amazing, uh, he covered the Nine Inch Nails song, Hurt, and in his old ragged voice sang about this period of his life, I will let you down. I will make you hurt. Now here's the thing, Johnny Cash gets right. He got that he was on the wrong side of justice and he got that sooner or later, God would come for the unjust. Johnny Cash was a living example of the destruction of sin and the restorative power of grace, and he knew firsthand how sin tears down your soul, as well as the people around you that you care about most. We all deserve judgment for our choice to rebel against God and serve self. In today's message, Pastor Ricky will address the wrath that's to come, but not without reminding us of the incredible grace that wants to rescue us from the immediate and eternal destruction that sin brings in our lives. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Revelation chapter 6 as he continues his message, When the Man Comes Around. This is what I would encourage you to think about. What, what is clear, and this, is, I'm not, this, isn't, this, this may not be perfectly the structure of Revelation historically, but it is very much the structure of Revelation thematically, where the same types of events keep occurring, and they seem to keep occurring with greater intensity until the end. So there's judgment and God's people are preserved and they're martyred and the gospel advances and there's judgment and evil. God's people are preserved. There's martyrs and judgment, you know, and it, they keep going and it, and it eventually culminates in the day of the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to get. There's a sense in which from, from the first four seals, the judgment is now, but there is a sense in which, according to Revelation 6, the final day of the Lord is yet to come. So, fourth, let's cover this. The wrath of the Lamb is just. Now, we know from all of Scripture that God's judgment is just, but we see a compelling example of it in the fifth seal, where the, the people of God, the martyrs of God, who are unjustly killed, cry out, O sovereign Lord, meaning they acknowledge the Lamb is sovereign. Holy and true, they acknowledge that he's incorruptible. How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? They, they are crying out for justice. They have been unjustly murdered as, as kind of a, an exemplar of the kind of injustice that occurs throughout history. And this leads to their cry of judgment, or, or the cry for justice and judgment. Uh, Johnny Cash sang in another song, well, you may throw your rock and hide your hand, working in the dark against your fellow man, but as sure as God made black and white, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. Meaning this, this is the truth about an angry God in the Bible. If he sees the world as it is, he must be angry if he is good. If this is true, if he is holy and true, he must be angry. And if he is sovereign, he must do something about it. That is what the scripture says of 
God. Wayne Grudem says this, what would God be like if he were a God that did not hate sin? He would then be a God who either delighted in sin or at least was not troubled by it. Such a God would not be worthy of our worship for sin is hateful and it is worthy of being hated. Sin ought not to be. It is, in fact, a virtue to hate evil and sin, and we rightly imitate this attribute of God when we feel hatred against great evil, injustice, and sin. Take just one example, the the issue of child abuse. According to the Children's Advocacy Center, in 2010, 1,537 children died of abuse or neglect. One in three to four girls and one out of five to six boys will be abused before they reach age 18. 90% of abuse victims know the perpetrator in some way, and 68% are abused by a family member. For every incident of child abuse or neglect that's reported, an estimated two incidents go unreported. Child abuse occurs across all socioeconomic levels, ethnic and cultural lines, religion and education levels, and neglect, the most widespread form of abuse, makes up more than 59% of abuse cases. That's just one issue, brothers and sisters. That's just one thing. Like, I don't know if I've ever felt this more strongly than when a number of years ago, I gotta be careful with the details of this, a number of years ago, we, when I was leading our singles group, we had a girl in the group come forward, she was an adult at that time, and share that a family member had been repeatedly abusing her since the age of 13. And we, we walked with her through reporting it, through testifying against this family member, through this person going to jail. But I just remember feeling when the person was sentenced, when this family member was sentenced for what he had done, everything in the fiber of my being, seeing this girl's face and talking to her, everything in the fiber of my being said, it is not enough for him to spend a few years in jail. It's not enough. Look, when we see the reality of the world around us, we should cry out with the martyrs, how long, O Lord? We know you are sovereign. We know you are good. How long? How long until war crimes in dark parts of Africa who are unreported and undefended are avenged? How long until human traffickers are exposed and judged? How long, oh Lord? And Revelation, the book of Revelation is the answer. Judgment is now, and judgment will come in fullness soon. And if God is not angry, he is not good. But the Bible causes us to rejoice that the wrath of the Lamb is kindled against the evil. And last thing we learn about the wrath of the Lamb is that the wrath of the Lamb brings peace. The ultimate arc of Revelation is toward the eternal rest that God's people sing about in Revelation 7, where they are hungry no more, where they're afflicted no more, where God is in their midst, where every tear is dried. In Revelation 11, the culmination of the seven trumpets of wrath, there's a voice that cries, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, 
and he shall reign forever and ever. The wrath of God is not capricious. It is not devastating for devastation's sake. It is no kid with a magnifying glass burning ants on the sidewalk just to see them writhe around. The wrath of God is necessary to put away evil and injustice so that the peace of his people and of the new creation can be protected for all eternity. Second, the wrath of the Lamb escaped. If we rightly understand the wrath of the Lamb, we will tremble. We should tremble because the wrath of the Lamb is for all who are unjust. Now, Johnny Cash has a strange connection to the city of El Paso. Did you know that Johnny Cash made a very famous visit that occurs in every biography of Johnny Cash to this very city, the city of El Paso? And those of you who know this story, you're like, oh boy. Because Johnny Cash came here to go to Juarez and uh, purchase a large amount of drugs. And I think may either have purchased or had on his person an unlicensed firearm. And uh, as he tried to leave on a plane, he was arrested, booked. There's a mugshot of him in El Paso. I think I saw some kid wearing it on a T-shirt, which was weird. But I don't understand youth culture. So... In that era, here's what you gotta know about Johnny Cash. In addition to being addicted to drugs, in addition to cheating on his wife repeatedly, in addition to having two young daughters he left alone for long periods of time, he repeatedly lied, he harmed those close to him. At one point, he tried to burn himself and a friend down when he was too drunk in the middle of a forest. And this pattern occurred again and again and again. And he would say later in an interview, I was evil. I was pure evil. He would later cover, as a bizarre thing, which was amazing, uh, he covered the Nine Inch Nails song, Hurt, and in his old ragged voice sang about this period of his life, I will let you down, I will make you hurt. Now here's the thing Johnny Cash gets right. He got that he was on the wrong side of justice, and he got that sooner or later, God would come for the unjust. What do we do then? We, we are all left at verse 17 in the crowd, and we say, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? The good news is that chapter 7 occurs, and I'm going to just recover for an instant what Vince covered so well last week as we see the connection of these two texts. Look at Revelation 7, verse 9, and remember the, the cry, who can stand? 7-9, and after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Verse 13, how does this happen? Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes? From where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Do you see these two groups 
Two groups. One, it says, who can stand? And their view of God, their view of the throne, their view of the Lamb is who can stand against the wrath, against injustice. And yet there is this other group that they are standing. They are clothed in white. And when they look at the throne, they rejoice. And when they look at the Lamb, they rejoice. How can this be? What is the difference between the two of them? Is it that these finally did 100,000 good deeds? Is it that they were born into the right family or they come from the right nation or they sat in the right church? No, the only thing that separates this group from this group is that this group has washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. And the good news of the Bible is that anyone can, anyone even people who let others down, even people who let, make others hurt, even people who, like Johnny Cash, would say that they are pure evil, they can be washed. Johnny Cash in his song Redemption Day says this, from his hands it came down, from the side it came down, from the feet it came down, and ran to the ground between heaven and hell, a teardrop fell. In the deep crimson dew, the tree of life grew and the blood gave life to the branches of the tree, and the blood was the price that set the captives free, and the numbers that came through the fire and the flood clung to the tree and were redeemed by the blood. Oh, friend, if, if you are not a Christian, let me just encourage you to see yourself rightly <laughs> and see which group you are in today. If you've not washed your robe, as it were, in the blood of the Lamb, the robe meaning, like, in a sense, it represents your deeds, who you are, your righteousness. And if you look down and you think, man, I've let people down, I've made them hurt, I would be one of those that would be judged. Hear the open invitation. You don't have to do 100,000 good deeds and come back. You just come to Jesus, come to the Lamb, claim his mercy, and join his people today. And for those of us who are Christians, you know, one of the things that, that I, one of the questions I get a lot about Revelation, especially from folks who kind of have that sequential view of Revelation, they are really concerned with, okay, when do the Christians get pulled out though, right? Like, like this is, like, I don't love this stuff. And Ricky was already disappointing me saying that apparently I'm already here for the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which I don't like. So when do I get sliced out and get to watch everything crazy happening. I'm not gonna be here for the worst of it, right? Here is one thing that every single orthodox commentator on the book of Revelation agrees on. Brother or sister in Christ, you will not be there for the worst of it because the wrath of the Lamb has been absorbed by the Lamb, for you. So man, whatever, whatever your view of revelation is, look, you can rest. You can go to sleep tonight rather than being like, where do I get off the bus? Just <laughs> get, get these two things. One, Jesus has got you. And two, because of the Lamb, the wrath of God will pass over you. And you will join that multitude who will hunger and thirst no more and the sun shall not strike them, for the lamb will be in the midst of the throne. The lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's your future.
All right, very briefly now, the wrath of the lamb applied. The wrath of the lamb applied. How, how then do we think about this? Well, first, the wrath of the lamb is sobering. Sobering. In Revelation 2 and 3, there are areas of compromise with these churches, and this is meant to help reinforce to them that sin is serious. Injustice is serious. Colossians 3 says this, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Brother or sister, is there a sin that you're trifling with, a sin that you're playing with? Does what makes God angry make you angry? Sometimes I think in our American culture, we, we are used to a number of sins, right? We're used, we're just kind of casually like, well, you know. And even you, you encounter these moments where like, you know, maybe, maybe you have somebody that has been married for a number of years, but their heart leads them away from their spouse. And American culture is like, oh, you've got to follow your heart. You've got to be true to yourself. You've got to do you, Right? And they applaud the person. Yeah, leave that spouse. Go chase your dream. You don't love them anymore. And in light of scripture, God is grieved that the picture of Christ in the church is being torn apart for someone pursuing sin. Let's set our definitions of justice according to the Bible and be sobered. Second, the wrath of the lamb is comforting. There is so much injustice in this world. Look, there's certain occupations you see it. I've, I've talked to social workers in our church that see the, the injustice. I've talked to law enforcement people in our church that see evil and injustice. As a pastor, you see it. As a pastor, I've sat in the police station as someone has gone inside to make a report of assault, right? You see this, you feel this. How do we stay sane in an insane world? Revelation 6. <laughs> Even now, God brings your measure of justice, and one day justice will be poured out in full. In the end, hear this, nobody will say God was unjust. In the end, every wrong will be made right. So we look forward to that in comfort. Third, the wrath of the Lamb is freeing. Um, apart from the wrath of the Lamb, we would be tempted to go, man, we have to be the people that have to ultimately bring justice. I had this one friend who would always get real mad and his dad made him memorize the verse, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, which I thought was a weird thing to have a kid memorize. But the, the, the verse has a point, meaning this, God will ultimately bring justice. So therefore, we can, we, we can try to act justly in the spheres that God has given us, try to act justly in our jobs and in our communities, but we can be free from the burden of, man, we've got we've to do enough things to bring about some justice utopia. Here's the problem with justice on earth, and, I, and there's some ways that there's a commendable desire from Gen Z and, and the millennials for justice, which is not always calibrated according to biblical justice, so read your Bible, but one of the things that is problematic about the millennial and Gen Z pursuit of justice is failing to acknowledge that once you have a group of unjust people up here and then other people down here, once the unjust people get deposed, they will get replaced by more unjust people. Right? This is the reality. There, there is no ultimate human resolution. This sort of critical theory framework of the people in power getting replaced by the people not in power, that's all across the Bible. And the problem is, power doesn't corrupt people. Power reveals what's in our hearts. So 
if you're, if you're like, man, we're gonna, have, we're gonna be the generation to do it, just set your expectations in a better place. You may act justly, and God used that to give glimpses of his perfect justice, which is beautiful and commendable. But our ultimate hope is the justice of the lamb, and that is so freeing. All right, last, the wrath of the lamb is focusing. You'll see that in Revelation uh, 6, one of, the, one of the things it said is that the number of martyrs is not yet complete. In Revelation 7, we see this complete multitude of, of every tribe, people from every tribe, tongue, language, and people group. So what is clear here is that the Lamb has a plan. He is gathering a people for himself. That is one of the purposes for which the lamb delays the ultimate day of the Lord. Look, brother or sister, if you are a Christian, you are a Christian because the Lord in his mercy delayed the day of the Lord that you may be gathered to his people. Isn't that good news? And so all of us, man, we long for that day. We long for that day of perfect justice, but we should also thank God for his patience that more may hear about the offer of the lamb to wash your robes white in the blood of the lamb. Wayne Grudem says this, when we think of the God's wrath to come, we should simultaneously be thankful for his patience in waiting to execute that wrath in order that yet more people may be saved. He quotes, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some account slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. Grudem is pointing us to the fact that, 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 man, we should be focused in this life on helping more people hear about Jesus. The Lord delays in his kindness, and every year he does, may we tell others about him. May we point others to him. What are your priorities in life, right? Is it this? It should be. All right, well, let me conclude this way. When, when Johnny Cash was 12, his brother Jack was severely injured in a table saw accident. And at the hospital, Jack, who seemed to have a genuine faith, told Johnny and the rest of his family, the last words he spoke to his family were, meet me in heaven. Perhaps it was appropriate then that Johnny Cash's last posthumous record was titled Ain't No Grave and contained an elderly Johnny Cash with his voice cracking and straining, singing the old song, Ain't No Grave Can Hold My Body Down, and contained the beautiful line, Will Jesus meet me, Jesus meet me, meet me in the middle of the air. Why could the same man who sang God's gonna cut you down and the same man who called himself an evil man hope to meet Jesus and his brother in the air because of the blood of Jesus who died for sinners? Now, was Johnny Cash a genuine Christian? I don't know, but God knows and Johnny knows. And I think the hope he held out is genuine. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong in Imagine you're sitting in a large theater and the curtain is down. There's a lot of anticipation about what's about to be seen on stage, but the curtain is covering up all of the stage props. As the music starts, the curtain goes up and you're able to see what's before you. 
The word revelation comes from the Greek word apocalypse, which refers to an unveiling. So think of the book of Revelation as a type of unveiling or revealing of what God plans to do in the future. It's pretty great that God gives clues and glimpses into the future rather than just leaving you to wonder with no frame of reference. As Pastor Ricky has been teaching through the book of Revelation here on Better News Radio, we trust that you've gained some valuable insights into God's heart and desire for a relationship with mankind. If you have some questions about what you've heard today, you can give us a call at 915-562-7100. Once more, that number is 915-562-7100. Pastor Ricky Alcantad is the pastor of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. If you're interested in joining us for more teachings in person, go to betternewsradio.com and click on the church tab. There you'll be able to access information about where we're located and service times. We trust that you're enjoying this series in the book of Revelation, and we look forward to the next edition. In the meantime, stay deeply rooted in God's Word and look for ways that God is speaking to you on Better News Radio.